0: Welcome, listeners, to Tom Reads Your Story. Join voice actor Tom Zania as he reads from past audiobook and other spoken word projects. You writers may also be given the chance to have your newly written material, fiction or nonfiction, read to an audience. This show will get the words out. And now, here's the host of Tom Reads Your Story, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. Hey, it's great to be back. Tom Zania with you on the uh, on the podcast Tom Reads Your Story. Mostly it's going to be my stuff that I've recorded in the past just to let you know I'm out there and uh, maybe we could work together at some time. But it's also for you too. And remember, you can send me whatever your writing project is and I'll read a piece of it for you if you want to uh, hear what it sounds like and uh I think that's a good idea. So you can mail it, excuse me, you can send it, email it to um, story at yahoo.com. That's TomReadsYourStory, all one word, at yahoo.com. I'll take a look at it. If I do get a good number of them, you know, I'm going to have to compete because I, I, I'm probably only going to read once or twice a week from other people, Um, but make sure you understand it's going to be well-produced, and um, I think you're going to really like it. So get it over to me. It could be anything you want. It can be a part of your novel. It's about a 2,000-word limit, I'd say. Uh, It can be a short story. It can be uh, an article that you want to submit to a newspaper, something like that, anything you'd like. And uh, starting today, since this is this is all new to me, I am going to let you know a little bit more about me and the kind of recordings I've done in the past. And uh, today I'll be uh, putting up uh, three things. Uh, the Sea Lion's Friend, which was a promotional video for a children's book called The Sea Lion's Friend. And also, uh, let's see what else I've got in the lineup here. Hang on. Oh, a commercial demo, and something f- about bird's eye. Uh, that's I think that's peas. That's a peas commercial, and of course, the sea lion's friend. So let's start things out. Thanks for joining me. Hello, this is Tom Zania. Whether it's grilling, smoking, or baking, the Silverback Wood Pellet Grill delivers the delicious natural flavor of a wood-fired meal. Grilla Grills, more grill, less money. Find out more at GrillaGrills.com. I know, as a matter of fact, I'm kind of snowed in up here at the mountain. Yeah, uh, no, honey, I don't think I'm going to make it back for tomorrow's party. No. Yeah, I probably should have bought the Chevy S10 4x4 pickup. Yes, honey. Yes, honey. For me, there's only one steak sauce. A1. Because A1 has all the taste that makes every bite count. If you were abused by Father Ferraro on Long Island, you don't have to suffer in silence. We can help you receive the justice and the closure you need. Help is just a phone call away. They know what to do with the world's most awarded vodka. Because it's not what you own, but how you own it. Smirnoff, welcome to the fun percent. Quite frankly, the only chance this team has of ever going to the World Series is to win tickets by logging on to speedpass.com. So, listen up. Whole eggs and extra egg yolks well beaten for smoothness, lightness, and flavor. That's real mayonnaise, the way Kraft makes it. The technology may be hard to imagine, but why you would want it is not. The 2014 E-Class, it doesn't just see the future, It is the future. And, of course, just before that little stinger you heard, that was my commercial demo. Uh, A demonstrator sound file that uh, casting directors and commercial directors listen to. When they're in the process of casting a commercial project for television or, or radio or the internet, and there's plenty of them out there, and uh, I hope you like that one. This next thing I'm going to play is is a uh, is a little advertisement, an online advertisement, a promotional video. Uh, for a children's book called The Sea Lion's Friend uh, by Shankman and O'Neill. Now, Shankman and O'Neill is one of the best producers of children's books out there. If you ever see anything by Shankman and O'Neill and you're in the market to buy a children's book for uh, a family member or maybe as a gift, definitely check out Shankman and O'Neill and check them out online, or check out what I'm about to play for you. This is from the book called The Sea Lion's Friend, and I think you'll like it. A sea lion passes his days in the waves, and he lies on the rocks, and he sleeps in the caves. And so if he longs for a friend by the sea, Well, then, these are the places the friend has to be. But who else finds joy in the surf and the sun? Who else thinks that lying on wet rocks is fun? The real question is, after all, in the end, who wants to be a sea lion's friend? And that's what the sea lion wondered one day. He wondered when friendship would wander his way. Could a friend just appear right out of thin air? If the sea lion blinked, Would a new friend be there? Did he think if he wished for a friend to come by, that the friend who he wished for would fall from the sky? Was it only pretend to believe in the end that the wishes he wished could turn into a friend? But then just as he wondered if wishes come true, as he questioned exactly what wishes can do, as he tried to believe that a friend could appear, a seagull flew down, landed right here. Yes, he dropped from the skies like a total surprise and was staring the sea lion right in the eyes. It was seagull and sea lion there, face to face, head to head, toe to toe, in the very same place. And though one was more fin and the other more feather, they both knew somehow they'd be perfect together. Sure, one had a snout and the other a beak, and the one liked to bark while the other would squeak, though I think some would say it was more of a shriek. But who cares what the sound is as long as you speak? Who cared if one flew while the other was grounded, or if one was thin while the other was rounded, or if one was tall and the other was small? Being different, you see, made no difference at all. The ways they were different were easy to name, but in time, they would find they were much more the same. It was friendship, you see, that made other things fun, like a dive through the waves or a flop in the sun. And then, long after all of the games were begun, it was friendship that made it okay to be done. Join a lovable sea lion and a friendly seagull as they overcome their differences to become fast friends. The Sea Lion's Friend, like all Shankman and O'Neill books, is available online and where books are sold. Want more? Check out ShankmanO'Neill.com for books, fun, lesson plans, and news. (laughs) And that, of course, is my children's book claim to fame: The Sea Lion's Friend uh the artwork of course is done by david O'Neill, uh whose wife uh, basically told me about uh his children's book business and of course i became interested and told them i was available i was in the national tour of a show called titanic the musical and uh she was melinda was in the uh, the cast with me She told me all about David, her husband David's uh, artwork. And that's what got me interested. And I was fortunate enough to book that job, uh, which I still listen to every once in a while. And I'm glad you just did now, too. Thanks. Our farmers agreed to make soup on two conditions more flavor, less can. That's why we load all four varieties of hearty spoonfuls with delicious bird's eye vegetables, chicken, pasta, or rice. Then we freeze it to lock in the freshest tastes. So good, it'll change the way you think about soup. Bird's eye. That was, of course, a little bird's eye commercial. Bird's eye is, of course, the makers of frozen peas and frozen corn and whatnot that we all have enjoyed since we were children. And I thought I'd play that. It's one that I I don't usually uh, remember, but it sort of pops up now because I have to pick out things to put on my, my podcast, and that seemed like definitely a nice one to do. Most of the voice work I'm fortunate enough to do uh, are audiobooks. Audiobooks are the thing that you do now to, you know, eke your way into the voiceover world. It's very, very difficult to try to make a career out of doing commercials. They might pay a lot. Some do and some don't. But uh, it's much easier to get into audiobooks because it's such a big thing now. People are getting into audiobooks. Really, really heavily. And there is a need for narrators, obviously. And I was lucky enough to transfer my former uh, voiceover experience, of which I had a good amount of since I was in Grand Rapids. Um, and of course, I started making books. Some of the one of the earlier ones that I you know, a lot, keep in mind, a lot of these are auditions. Uh, some uh, th- this early one that I tried out for is called In the Fog, which is kind of a horror book. And I, I never really, I didn't read the whole book, so I don't really know what it's about unless it's, you know, I mean, you could probably guess, but I'm going to play it for you now. In the Fog. Chapter One, Gem, 909 a.m. Hangovers are a bitch. Twenty years from now, if you had the opportunity to, as Jeremy Jem Taylor, what day it was that the crow awoke him, cawing and squawking outside his window, he couldn't tell you. He may be able to tell you that it was a Thursday, or maybe Wednesday, but truth told, he couldn't be sure. That day ended up more a blur in his memory than anything else. The morning the women in the quiet hill country town of Decker, Texas, went missing, started as innocuous and anonymous as any other. The window of the bedroom Jem shared with his wife faced east, but with the blackout curtains drawn and shades closed, little sunlight actually filtered into the room, which was exactly how he liked it. He turned once on his pillow to face away from the window and the noise but the bird continued its high-pitched caw. Jem's brain thumped inside his skull, and he just wanted to sleep a little longer. Caving finally, Jem opened his eyes in the dark room and rolled over to say good morning to Susan, but his arm was met with empty sheets where his wife would be. He reached up and turned on the bedside lamp, blinking his eyes to adjust to the light. "'Susan?' He asked out loud, thinking perhaps she was in the bathroom adjacent to their bedroom. His voice was met only by the squawking of that damn bird outside the window. It was not uncommon for her to be up before him, to go for a run or drink her coffee on the patio before she had to get to work, but her phone and watch were still on her bedside table where she kept them on the wireless charging base every night. In fact, all her personal effects that she normally carried with her remained at her bedside. The black elastic ponytail holder, her Kate Spade earrings, everything. It was odd for her to leave everything, even the phone, so he got up to check in the bathroom. Opening the door slowly, he asked aloud, ''Babe, you in here?'' Again, silence and emptiness the bathroom vacant except for the sunlight bathing the white granite and tile in a soft early morning glow. Now confused, Jem slid on a pair of sweatpants laying crumpled on the floor beside his side of the bed. Like every night, he'd worn them to bed only to slide the gray pants off and throw them to the floor before falling asleep. Pulling the pants up above his waist and... Cinching the drawstring in the waistband. He left the bedroom and went to the kitchen. The coffee pot was on, filling the room with the rich aroma of jivalia, dark roast, that regularly permeated their mornings. Susan? He called out again in the kitchen. Jem felt pain in his temples, the result of too much bourbon and too little sleep. He'd stayed up too late writing, he knew. While in the kitchen, He pulled down his favorite mug, a white ceramic emblazoned with the St. Mary's University logo, and poured from the full carafe, tucked under the coffee maker's filter. It felt like a lifetime since he'd been at St. Mary's, a lifetime since he'd first met Susan in their shared algebra class their sophomore year. He, an English major, and she, studying engineering, they'd quickly become friends over his questions, and her helpful, even flirtatious, tutoring. Their friendship became romance, which became engagement, and they married the fall after graduation. He'd gone on to teach high school literature while she worked for one of the largest architecture firms in San Antonio. While teaching, he worked on a couple of novels, got hooked up with an agent, and received a book deal from one of the big publishing houses in New York. He resigned from teaching after the third book came with a Netflix deal large enough that he could focus solely on writing. And, after ten years of the corporate rat race, Susan asked him if starting her own freelance design company would be a good idea. "'Of course it's a good idea,' he had told her in the office of their old San Antonio home. "'You're smart, talented, and you've got a decade of experience.' He had always been the sail in the wind. She was the anchor, though she'd done it. She'd taken a large percentage of their savings, cashed in her 401K, which, despite the early draw penalty, was a significant sum of money, and started her architecture and engineering business out of one of the bedrooms in their San Antonio home. Like catching lightning in a bottle, she'd had her near-immediate success— securing contracts for a multitude of buildings and residential developments all over the southern area of the state. Five years ago, they'd moved out of the city and 45 miles northeast to the small town of Decker in the Texas Hill Country. The town was inviting, even with the standard small-town politicking and gossip-mongering that plagued most towns with a population under the 5,000 mark. It was quiet, though. And Jem liked that. His reputation as an author, as well as the television series based on his books, made him a bona fide celebrity in the otherwise quiet and compact town they now called home. And he'd signed more than one autograph standing in the checkout line at the grocery store. When they moved to Decker, Susan designed the home they lived in now, giving them both their own offices where she could work on building design and engineering plans while Jem worked off and on on his next novel. She occasionally still would drive to San Antonio or Austin or Houston, but the benefits of her career and business meant she was able to do much of her work from home. Building their new house on a plot of land they'd secured in a foreclosure auction, the beautiful modern home was the jewel of their neighborhood. Sipping on his coffee and rubbing his temples, Jem looked around the open kitchen. Everything seemed to be in place. The dishes from dinner last night sat in the sink, though he'd promised he'd load them in the dishwasher in the morning. The recessed lights in the ceiling illuminated in a soft glow, the light bouncing off the dark concrete countertops and stainless steel appliances. He couldn't place his finger on it. But something felt off, and that damn crow kept cawing outside. He could see the patio through the French doors off the breakfast nook in the kitchen, and he went to the window to look out, seeing nothing out there but the black metal patio furniture and his barbecue grill under its canvas cover for the fall. No sign of Susan, though. Carrying his coffee mug by the handle, he went to her office, knocking on the door. He pushed the door open slightly. "'Babe? Are you still in here?' He saw her drafting table, with the fifty-inch unrolled architecture drawings on the drafting table surface. It looked just as she left it in the evening before, when he'd come in to tell her dinner was ready. At the table, he ran his hand over the architectural drawings. She was designing a new branch of San Antonio Trust Bank, and it was one of her largest projects to date. Her name was written in her eloquent cursive hand in the bottom corner of the riser diagram. She took a lot of pride in her work, and it showed in the details on the large white pages. Well... Boy, what a blast from the past. It was really good to hear that story again. It's better than I thought it was. And when I compare it to the work I, the quality of the work I do now compared to the quality of the work I did then. And that was pretty good for then. <laughs> I hope you liked that. Uh, it didn't get into the meat of the story, obviously. Uh, but I do appreciate you listening and I do appreciate you visiting. Uh, as often as possible. Once again, as I do, uh, as I'm going to do in all of these podcasts, I want to remind you, it's not just my work that I'm going to be playing. I would love to play your written material. That could be a short story. It could be, part, uh, you know, about 2,000 words of a long novel. It could be uh, just about anything. Maybe you have a personal experience that you can write dramatically about. Uh, maybe you have uh, maybe you write advertising. I'd be more than happy to read one of those for you. Uh, but get in touch. That's the important thing. Get in touch with me. My email address is Tom reads your story. All one word. Tom reads your story at yahoo.com. And tell me about yourself and uh, let me know a little bit about what it is you're sending, what it might, what it's about. Um, And that's it. It's as simple as that. And make sure you state in there that you're giving me permission to read it. That's it. Very easy. I hope to hear from you and I hope to have you come back uh, to listen. I'd love to have you. It's great doing these podcasts. And I, I, uh, I would greatly value your, uh, your attendance. Thanks very much, and uh, have a great rest of your day.